So have you ever felt like God was trying to give you a message? And sometimes I know when God's trying to give us a message or get a message to us, sometimes we receive it and we listen and we take it and sometimes we kind of push it away. Uh, I coached my son's baseball team and so my little guy Landon, uh, last season, we always played this one team and they were so good, man. I mean, our team was really bad last season. We're doing a little better this season, thank God, but last season we were awful. We lost almost every single game and there was this one team that would just murder us. I mean, it was like 21 to 2. 36 to 0. I mean, it was just terrible. And the guys who coached that team, I really didn't like them. And every time I saw them, I'd be like, oh, we're playing the, the, the team with the jerk coaches. And I just, that was my little thing. That we're playing the jerk coaches. Oh, great, the jerks, right? And so it wasn't really nice. I don't know. I feel bad about it. And my wife was like, you really shouldn't call them the jerks. And I was like, I know, but they're jerks. And so, you know, and so this one time we pulled into the parking lot and we weren't playing the jerks, but I saw the jerks. So I said out loud, oh, there's the jerks. And Kelly's like, Doug, stop, you know? And so whatever, we go our separate ways and uh, they play their game. We play our game. We come back to the parking lot and I go to turn my car on and my battery is dead. I'm like, no, my my older son thought that you could just turn on the battery without having the engine running for three and a half hours. And so he's in there like playing a game, playing Fortnite, killing the world. Meanwhile, drains the battery dead, right? And so I'm standing out on the parking lot and I did the old trick where you sort of pop the hood and just sort of hope someone's going to notice and say, hey man, you need some help? And so I'm waiting there and who comes walking over but one of the jerk coaches? And he goes, uh, oh, what's, what's going on? And I'm thinking to myself, ah, you're here to gloat in my moment of weakness and defeat, right? I knew you were a jerk. But he goes, uh, you need some help? And I was like, well, yeah, man, if, if you don't mind. He's like, I think I have some rubber cables in my, in my car. So he goes over to his car. He pops the trunk. And he starts taking out all this stuff out of the trunk of his car. Now, he must have kids in every sport imaginable. We've got tennis rackets coming out. I thought I saw a canoe fly by. I'm like, what's going on right now, right? And so he empties the whole thing. No jumper cables. So eventually, he goes, oh, man, I don't have any, but I think my wife might. So let me go to the other side of the parking lot and check her car. Checks her car. Empties the whole thing out. Like, we got skis, toboggans. I don't even know. All right? Nothing Nothing in the car. So then he goes, you know what, man? I feel really bad. I want to help you out. He goes to every car in the lot until he finds a pair of jumper cables, comes over, starts our car, and I look over the hood at my wife in the seat, and she has tears coming down her face. Not because she was touched. She was laughing, <laughs> mocking, like, oh, jerk coaches, huh, Doug? Yeah, yeah, I guess you learned your lesson. And I did learn my lesson. I got back in the car. I was like, all right, Lord, I hear you convicting my spirit for the way I treated these poor guys. They're actually awesome, really kind guys. Has there ever been a time God was trying to get a message to you, trying to say something to you, and you sort of didn't want to hear it? You know, you sort of wanted to just kind of keep doing things the way you were doing things and, and keep on feeling the emotions you were feeling? And tonight I want to talk a little bit about that. Because sometimes God's, you know, sending his messages, hey, share your faith a little bit. You know, I have big, big dreams for what God could do in this service, this night service. I have big, big dreams for what God can do in your generation. And sometimes God's telling us, man, you know, share your faith. Invite somebody to church. And and it's kind of like there is that message he's trying to get to us. And we're like, I don't really want to hear that right now. I'm a little comfortable where I am. I'm good, right? Or sometimes he's trying to get us a message about just some kind of change in our life. You know what? Maybe you're supposed to shift gears with college or our major or our job or where we're living or where we think we're going to live. Or, or we're trying to figure out, do I live, you know, does my family move here? Do we stay? Like, what do we do? And God's speaking and we've kind of resisted maybe that change. Or maybe there's some kind of sin struggle in our life. And God's been telling us for a really long time, you know, knock that off. That's not going to take you where you want to go. I know it seems really attractive and good, but it's going to mess you up. Get away from that. And we just sort of resist that change. Has there ever been a time in your life God was trying to get you a message and you didn't want to hear it and maybe you didn't even care about it 
altogether. You just want to ignore that message. Or maybe it wasn't a specific message of God. It was God's entire word, right? Like we just haven't been in the Bible lately maybe, you know? And maybe you got busy. Maybe you got a little bit lazy. Maybe you got a little distractible. You know, you just kind of said, you know what, God? I know your word has some messages for me. I know if I open up the Bible and spend some time, it would make a good positive impact on my life. But I'm just kind of ignoring it right now. Anybody ever struggled with any of that? I want to talk a little bit about that today. But on the other side of things, I also want to address some others of you in the crowd here today. You see, there's some of us who are ignoring God's message to us, but there are some of us who are hanging on to something that God wants us to let go. It's a a different struggle, right? God's been trying to challenge us in different ways to to finally put something to rest and to not, you know, to not not give it any sort of entertainment or entertainer rather in our hearts or our lives and leave that thing alone, but we continue to kind of hang on to it. We sort of left an open door to it. You know what I mean? Like, like we didn't get serious enough with that thing to just be like, that's it, I am just done with it. We, we kind of left that open door. And because we left that open door, it leads to some stuff. A couple examples. When we're not serious enough about letting go of those things God wants us to let go, you know, maybe we're a little bit lazy, so we end up looking at some stuff on the computer or our phone again, you know? Like, like if we declared all-out war on that, It'd be a different scenario, but we kind of left the door open, so we went back to it a little bit. Or maybe we, we have a cell phone number in our contact list right now that has no place being there, you know? Like, we haven't called it, but it's there in case we kind of run, run back to it, and we know it's not what God has for us. Maybe we have some kind of a habit, and every time we call that number, we end up doing bad things. Maybe we have some kind of an addiction. Every time we call that number, we end up getting some bad stuff in some bad places. Maybe we have a number in our phone contact that we met this girl, and we were, you, know, you ladies, you met this guy, and it was like, oh, this thing, this attraction, and there were sparks and everything, you know, oh, wow, and, but you knew it wasn't what God had for you, and you haven't acted on it, but you have it there just in case. Kind of tucked it away for later, just in case. Is there anything in our lives we kind of are hanging on to that God wants us to let go? You know, it's, that, it's that, that old habit, that old gossip thing. Ah, God's going, just get rid of it. Well, I've gotten better at it, cool. But man, God sometimes wants us to declare war on those things and not leave an open door. And so where do you find yourself tonight? We're getting intense tonight, okay? Where do you find yourself? Is there a message God's been trying to get you that you're ignoring? Or is there something God wants you to let go of and really slam a door in this thing's face? And you're just kind of struggling with making that final step. So we're going to talk about this stuff here tonight. And the reason it's so important to talk about is because ignoring God's messages and hanging on to the things he doesn't want us to hang on to always lead us to horrible places. Always, every single time in my life. I can tell you this, every single time I have ignored God's word or I've held on to something he doesn't want me to hang on to, it has beat me up good. And it's done the same for you, hasn't it? And so tonight, we're going to work through this. And I want to challenge you guys, but it's for your good. It's for for a a fight for freedom, you know? It's a fight for joy. It's a fight for living the life God really wants us to live. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm so glad you're here tonight. I want you to know you are always welcome here inside these doors to navigate your faith to try to figure Jesus out, and we're here to help you do that. And I hope tonight you will kind of walk through this message with us, but at the very end, I want to share something with you that literally is the best news in the whole world. And so, We're going to look in two places today, two verses, two passages of Scripture you may have never even read before, or if you did, you probably flew right through them without even realizing some of the incredible depth that can be found in them. So we're going to start out in Jeremiah 36. Jeremiah was this prophet of God, and so God would tell Jeremiah, hey, 
This is what's going to happen. And, 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 then it, and then Jeremiah would say, hey, here, nation of Israel, here's what's going to happen. And then it would happen. Like he was a legit prophet of God. Incredible stuff. And this one time, God spoke to Jeremiah in a very, very specific and powerful way. In Jeremiah 36, verse 1, it says this, In the fourth year of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Take a scroll and write on it all the words I've spoken to you concerning Israel, Judah, and all the other nations from the time I began speaking to you in the reign of Josiah till now. So God says, hey, Jeremiah, you know all that stuff I've been downloading into your heart? All that stuff I've been speaking to you about the things that are going to happen? I want you to take a scroll, write them all down, and get ready to go read them out loud to the people that need to hear. Verse 3, Perhaps when the people of Judah hear about every disaster I plan to inflict on them, they will each turn from their wicked ways. Then I will forgive their wickedness and their sin. So God speaks this really intense message to Jeremiah. He warns the people, and we've been talking about this the last few weeks actually, he warns the people that if, if they don't turn from their sin, God's going to bring Nebuchadnezzar to kind of take them captive for a season. And then some of us in the room, right, you go, well, why would God do that? Like, why would he, a loving God, discipline his kids like that? Because he's a good dad. Anybody in this room that had a good dad or a good mom or maybe a good aunt or a good grandma or somebody who raised you, when you needed it, they disciplined you because they love you, right? And I got to tell you guys, in the story of God in Israel, God was so patient. I said this a few weeks ago, right? God was so patient with them. It wasn't like somebody just did something and he just flew off the handle and lost his temper. God was so patient. Give me an example. My son Landon, sweet kid, loving kid, compassionate kid, loves to drive this lady in the front row. Absolutely crazy. That's my daughter, Bryn. Loves to push every single button that she has. And so we'll be on the way to school and all of a sudden Landon's just like flicking Bryn. Just lightly. No, nothing, you know. No. Dad, Landon's flicking me. Landon, stop flicking. Oh, okay, sorry, Dad. Right, right, right back to flicking Ren, right, right. Landon, stop, stop, stop. Oh, I didn't hear you. You didn't hear me, really? Then why'd you answer me, right? And, and I mean, this kid, he's got such selective hearing. Like, if he was in the house watching SpongeBob and I was outside mowing the lawn with the sound of the mower going and a bomber plane flew over and dropped literal bombs and I said the word Slurpee, Landon would be like, who said Slurpee? Was there a Slurpee, right, right? But, but if I say, stop flicking the sister, what? So then he goes, okay, I'll stop flicking, I'm sorry. And then he just starts kicking. Just tapping, a little, little tap, right, right? And stop, right? You didn't say anything about kicking. All right, well, don't bite, tickle, touch, right, right? So then he gets about a tenth of a millimeter from her so that he's not touching her, but he is so up in her space, it's obnoxious. And he even watches for the turns up ahead to make up for the inertia to go back and forth so he's not touching her, but he's real close. Patience, people. Patience, right? And this is the patience of God for 800 years with the nation of Israel. He's going, all right, Please, stop. And they go, okay, God, sorry. And they do it again, and they do it again, right? And so God finally says, okay, if the people don't turn from their sin, I'm going to bring this season of discipline on them. And, you know, God's reminding us, I'm not doing this just because I'm a, a crazy God who wants things done my way. I'm doing it also because I love you and I want the best for you. And so he delivers this message to Jeremiah. Jeremiah calls this guy named Baruch. He says, hey, Baruch, God says we have to write down everything that he's shown me. And I want you to take it. I want you to read it to the people while they gather to worship. Check out verse 11. It says, When Micaiah, son of Gemariah, the son of Shaphan. I think we should talk like that again, man. I dare you this week to introduce yourself like that. Your dad, your dad's dad. I am Douglas, son of Pete, son of Herbert. Bam, all right? When Micaiah, son of Jeremiah, the son of Shaphan, heard all the words of the Lord from the scroll, he went down to the secretary's room in the royal palace where all the officials were sitting. 
So this guy, Micaiah, is in the secretary's room with all those important people, and he goes, guys, you are not going to believe the scroll that Baruch just brought. You're not going to believe what he just read. And then it says this in verse 15. So Baruch read it to them. And when they heard all these words, they looked at each other in front, in fear rather, and said to Baruch, we must report all these words to the king. And then they say, Baruch, how did you get this message? Well, God told it to Jeremiah. Jeremiah told me to write it down. And then they say, okay, Baruch, you go get Jeremiah. You guys go hide because the king is not going to like this. He's going to come after you guys. And then in verse 22, look what happens. It says, it was the ninth month and the king was sitting in the winter apartment with a fire burning in the fire pot in front of him. Whenever Jehudi had read three or four columns on the scroll, the king cut them off with the scribe's knife. So the king's sitting there, and it feels a little bit like winter in this room tonight. That's on purpose, just, you know, our production team put that together for you. But, but the king's got the scroll, and every line that would be read, he would rip it, and he'd rip the next one. And then he'd rip the next one. Why? Why was he ripping it up? Was he so like, excited about each line? He was going to individually frame each line. Was he so excited about it that he was going to, you know, hey, go mass copy these and get them out to every person in the... Why did he do it? Look what it says next. He ripped them and he threw them into the fire pot until the, until the scroll was burned in the fire. The king and all his attendants who heard all these words showed no fear, nor did they tear their clothes. So the king read the word of the Lord, read the message of God, ripped it up, threw it into the fire. In other words, he was saying, I could care less about what you're saying right now, God. And here is my question for you. Do we ever say that to God? Do we ever hear his message, be it preached in his word, or God impresses something on our heart, and we pretty much burn the scrolls? We pretty much rip them up almost line by line. It's like, I know what God wants me to do, but I could care less. I know what God wants me to do, but I'm not even going to listen. I'm not, gonna, I'm not even going to open his word right now because I just want to do things my own way so much, I don't even want to hear what he has to say. Do we ever burn the scrolls in our lives? What's interesting about this time is Jeremiah, in the time of Jeremiah here, this king Jehoiakim, who's burning the scroll, had actually tried to overthrow Nebuchadnezzar, the king that everybody's afraid of, but he had failed. And what's even more interesting is that at this time, the nation had declared a time of fasting and prayer, probably because Nebuchadnezzar was close enough to do some damage. So think about it this way. If that's true, the nation of Israel is down on their knees fasting, going, God, please protect us and save us from Nebuchadnezzar. And he sends Jeremiah to go, okay, here's how I'll save you from Nebuchadnezzar. Turn from your sin and turn back to me. And the king sees that response and he cuts it up and he throws it into the fire. Maybe sometimes God is answering our very prayers. He's sending the word about what we're supposed to do and where we're supposed to go and and what we need to leave behind. and, And we just cut up that scroll and we burn it. Anybody maybe burning those scrolls here tonight? Just looking at what you know God wants you to do and just going, nah, I don't care or I'm too tired or I'm too distracted or I just want to try my own way a little bit longer. Guys, God loves us and doesn't want us to go down that road. He loves you and he doesn't want you to have to bear the consequences and the weight of those choices. And so he says, I would rather discipline you to save you and bring you back to me than watch you go that way. And so in the story, God says, Jeremiah, here's what you gotta do. I need you to rewrite everything you had written down, but now 
At the end of it, you're going to add the discipline I'm going to bring on the nation of Israel. And sure enough, Nebuchadnezzar would come and take that nation captive for a season. But God still gave them hope. That's the hope we've talked about the last two weeks. Even in the midst of that discipline, God said, I love you and I have you and we're going to get you out of this, but here's what has to happen so you can be drawn back to me. And I just want you to know God wasn't excited about this discipline. Like if you're here tonight, you're trying to figure out Jesus and this is your first time in church, you're going, man, I don't know about this guy. He sounds a little scary. It broke God's heart to discipline his kids. I don't know about some of you guys. I lived in the golden age of spanking. And I got it a lot okay, as a kid. And you know, there was this line that my parents would say. Some of you have heard it. There was this line, right? Just before they'd spank you, they'd say, this is going to hurt me a lot more than it hurts you what a bunch of garbage right are you kidding I was like well what happens after you hit me with the paddle and it comes back up and hits you in the face each time like how does that you know are you kidding me but you know what now I'm a parent and some of you guys you know you're not parents but maybe you've had a little bit of authority maybe some of you guys are teachers or some of you guys have watched like a younger sibling or or, or a, you know a nephew or niece or somebody and you've had to you know give a detention to a kid or you've had to say okay you go to timeout or whatever it might be and it's really true unless the kid's really annoying it's really true that for the most part not my kids they're great but for the most part right I mean as a dad I can tell you I never enjoy disciplining my kids never once and guys, that's the heart of God. But he will do it if it means he'll protect you and preserve you from further damage and draw you back to himself. But he doesn't want you to go down that road. So my question is, is anybody burning God's scrolls tonight? And if we are, let's stop burning God's scrolls. Let's stop ignoring his word. Let's stop ignoring his message. Let's do things his way. Now, we're going to fast forward 600 years. I don't want to lose you in this transition, okay? Stick with me. Because about 600 years later, this theme of burning scrolls comes up again from a completely different perspective. But I want you to see how powerful this is. So there's a man named Paul, right? And Paul had his life changed by Jesus. And he's going around telling people about Jesus. And the power of God is all over this guy. And he's going around saying, hey, I just want to let you know, Jesus got on a cross for you. Like Joey prayed for us here today as we took communion. Jesus got on a cross for you. And he beat death and he rose back from the dead. And he's the savior of the world. And then... We start to see some of the amazing things that happen with Paul. Verse, verse uh, 11 of Acts 19 says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. So the power of God is on display in incredible ways through Paul. Look what it says in 13. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of the, Je- of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. So people were amazed at the power of God that was at work through Paul. So they started to say, hey, we want to try this out, right? The problem was they didn't have the right motivations and they had no relationship with Jesus. And so look what happens. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest. So there's this priest named Sceva. He had seven sons. We're doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them. Jesus I know, and Paul I know about, but who are you? I love that, right? It's going to be its own little message right here. I love that. Because the evil spirits go, oh, we know all about Jesus. We know him, man. He was the one who you guys you know, put on the cross and we thought we'd won, but then he rose back from the dead. We know all about Jesus. And Paul, we don't know Paul, but we know about Paul. Paul knows Jesus really well. And man, God is doing incredible things through his life. But who are you? We don't, we don't know 
you. And then it says this in verse 16. Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear. And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. You're going, what does this have to do with the burning of the scrolls and all these different things we've seen? Well, look at the next verses. So the power of God is being made known and it makes a huge impact. Look at verse 18 and 19. Here's our key verses. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. Larry, you ready for this? A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. They burned their scrolls. Okay, so Jeremiah, 600 years earlier, the king gets the word of God and he burns God's scroll. But these people are doing the exact opposite. See, God showed up in their lives and in Jeremiah's day, you had a hard heart who burned God's scrolls. In Paul's day, you have some soft hearts who burned their own scrolls, who burned their own way of doing things, who decide, I'm not going to hang on to what God doesn't want me to hang on to any longer. And I'm going to get so dramatic about this. I'm going to get so intense about this that I'm not going to leave a way for me to go back to these scrolls. What's the deal with these scrolls? Well, they had written their, their sorcery spells on them. And God showed up, and they realized, oh man, Jesus is so much better than all this stuff. We're going to throw this stuff away, and we're going to, in fact, we're going to burn it so we can never use it again. And if I could just take a minute here, I think it's important when something like this comes up in Scripture, it's important to just address this. we got to be so careful as Christians and followers of Jesus what we open our hearts up to, okay? we got, as followers of Jesus, we have no business messing around with psychics or, or tarot card readings or mediums or any of those kinds of things. You may say, but Doug, I've been to one of those and it kind of felt like they had some power. Well, they may have, right? They may have. I mean, some of them are fake and they're just out for a buck, but some of them have power because the enemy is empowering them. Let me give you a little illustration. Let's say you went out to your car tonight and your phone was dead, right? And you didn't have the car charger adapter that you can plug into your cigarette lighter to charge your phone but you happen to have the one from your house that you plug into the wall. And so you try to cram that metal thing into the cigarette lighter. And there is electricity in there. And there is power in there. And who knows, but maybe there'd be some kind of electrical connection that would power on your phone. But it would probably destroy your phone and probably start a fire in your car, right? And you know what? When you and I plug into that, that wrong outlet, so to speak, it could destroy us too. But God's so much greater. And that's what these men found out. Man, God's so much greater than the power we're used to. And so they burned their scrolls. So, so back to the story here. What I love about these guys is they know what God wants them to let go of. And they don't go, yeah, we should probably stop doing sorcery. But here's what we'll do. Let's take our scrolls and let's put them in the back closet in case we want to go back to this one day. That's not what they did. They said, no, no, no. We're so done with our own way, let's burn those scrolls. Anybody here in the room need to burn some scrolls tonight, so to speak? Need to shut the door on that thing that you've allowed to live in the back of your closet, that habit, that mindset, that stubbornness. You might say, but Doug, that would cost me so much. You know, in this weird way, Doug, I love that thing, and I love the possibility of going back to that thing, and that's why I have it buried in my closet. That's why I got it in that shoebox in the closet. That's why I got that number in my contact list. That's why I keep going back to him or her. 
because I kind of like it, and it feels like it would be too great a cost to burn that scroll. Well, look at the next verse. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Guys, the sorcerer's scrolls were valuable. In today's standards, they were worth millions. But they burned them willingly because they didn't didn't ever want to go back to them again. And maybe that's what some of us in the room have to do tonight. Maybe it will cost us some but we got to recognize Jesus is better. Put millions of dollars in my one hand, offer me Jesus in the other. I'm going to take Jesus every time, right? Because he's worth more than anything. And all those things on the other hand try to tell us they are more worthwhile and they are going to lead to satisfaction in life. But Jesus is the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And so we've looked at these two stories in Scripture today, right? We've seen the story in Jeremiah's day of the, of the man whose heart was hard, And he burned God's scrolls and said, I'm going to push that message of God away. And we've looked at the story in Paul's day of the men whose hearts were soft and said, I'm going to burn my scrolls and let go of all that is mine and do things God's way. And so where do you find yourself? Do you find yourself struggling with either of those tonight? Do you not really care about what God has to say? Or maybe you're just sort of lazy about getting in his word every day and trying to help understand what it means. Guys, we as a church, we want to help you understand what it means. And know how to apply it to your life every single day. Or are you on the other side? And Man, there's that thing. You just kind of left that open door. And God wants you to close that tonight. And so here's my thought for you tonight. Here's what I hope will stick with you. Stop burning God's scrolls and start burning yours. Stop pushing away the word of God to you and start burning your own way. And watch what he will do in your life. See, this is what I get excited about, guys is the thought of what God could do in a service like this with a bunch of people like you if we got more and more serious about responding to what he wants us to do and getting rid of the things he doesn't want us to do. I'm telling you, if this generation could grab a hold of that concept and we could get serious about it and shut the door on all that stuff, man, we're going to see God do something very, very special. And I think now is the time, and I think here is the place. And so are you burning God's scrolls? Has he told you to share your faith? That's his word to you. It might as well be written on a scroll, right? Is he telling you to invite somebody here? Is he telling you to invite somebody on Thursday night to meet the movement? Is he telling you to let go of something or someone? Or is he telling you, hey, get in my word, man. Read the scriptures every day. There's a website called hereadstruth.com. There's another website called shereadstruth.com. Guess which one you should go to. (laughs) Figure it out, right? And As you go there, guys, you can really dig into the Word of God in a way that's understandable and relevant and clear. Sometimes you don't know how to figure out, oh man, what does this mean? And how does this apply to my life? And what should I do next? And that that website will help you out. On our app, we have a reading plan, 30 days to get through the book of Mark. Right there on our app. It's probably on your phone right now, right? And so, man, stop burning God's Word to you. Never goes well, right? He's got so much better for you and for me. But what scrolls of your own may you need to burn? What things that you've been hanging on to do you need to deal with? And the funny thing is you've probably known for a while that it would be the best thing for you to burn that that scroll. It would be the best thing for you to shut the door on that thing. It would be healthy for you. It would be healthy for your relationships. It would be healthy for your marriage. It would be healthy for your dating relationships. It would be healthy for your friendships. But for some reason, right? And I, I, guys, there have been 
countless times in my life I have ignored God's word or I have hang on to something I shouldn't be hanging on to anymore. So this is at me too. But man, God has so much better for us. And so let me give you some examples of ways maybe you can burn your scrolls. So I think one of the things we can do in our day and age, man, is we gotta be real careful with the stuff that's popping up on our screens, right? We have to be really, really careful. And so maybe it's time to get like a filter. Every single device on my house goes through this thing called Circle. It's made by Disney, and uh, Mickey Mouse comes up on every browser. I'm just kidding. Um, no, so you, what it does is it filters out anything that you set it to filter out. And so we all have these levels of accountability there, and it just won't even allow it to come to the device in the first place, okay? And so, you know, it works really well because it alleviates the ability of people to go hunting for stuff, but it also protects you from the times things just jump out on the screen. You know, people are always getting stuck and looking at things they shouldn't because it just pops up on the screen, right? I'll give you an example. We're at starting point like two months ago. I'm at right outside this room sitting at the table. We're talking about reading the Bible, Okay, I got a group of people sitting around a table, mostly new Christians, and I'm looking at my phone. I'm like, oh man, you got to check out He Reads Truth. And you got to check out BibleStudyTools.com. And you ever get one of those notices on your phone that says you want a million dollars, you know? Oh, hit this at Walmart. They're going to give you a million dollar gift card, right? So apparently you should hit the back button. I hit the X thinking I'd get rid of it. And instantly my phone got spanned with all kinds of naked people right? And I'm sitting there like, "Huh, look, no, don't look. And I'm like, I mean, it was so horrifically uncomfortable at starting point in church with the new Christians. And you know what? That stuff's going to hit all devices at one point or another. And so we need to burn the scrolls, right? Burn the scrolls. Don't just decide, okay, I'm going to stop. All right, cool, man. And God's spirit is in you, and that's awesome. But you're leaving yourself a pretty open door to go back. So burn those scrolls. Another thing we could do is delete the cell phone number. Don't screenshot it first. <laughs> Doug, I deleted the cell phone number. Let me see your photos. Right? <laughs> Don't screenshot it first. Right? Delete that phone number. Burn the scroll. But I'll never get it back again. Exactly. Right? Do you really end up in good places when you call that number? Would you really end up in good places if you ever did call that number? For some of us, it's ending a relationship. For some of us, it's closing a door on a certain sin struggle. My dad had these two friends. Every time he hung out with them, they would just, you know, not, not my dad, but the other two guys, they would just gossip and tear people apart. And my dad finally got sick of it one day and said, hey, guys, if this is what our relationship is going to be like, if this is what's going to happen when we hang out, then I'm done hanging out with you guys. Like, just burn the scroll. Just close the door, right? I'm going to let go of that thing that may be causing me to stumble. So get that accountability. Be in community. We want to help. If you have a struggle that is bigger than you, and don't we probably all, then we need each other, right? And we need to be helping each other. And so if you and I will take this seriously and we say, all right, man, I'm going to stop burning God's scrolls. I'm going to start burning my own. We're going to begin to see new levels of closeness with Jesus. We're going to begin to see new levels of freedom in our lives and health in our souls. And I'm telling you, I believe one of the greatest benefits we will reap in the years to come is God at work in this church and in our lives in unprecedented ways. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to tell you something amazing. You see, there was this other scroll, and this scroll contained all the sin of your life and my life. But Jesus, when he got on a cross and he died in our place and then rose back from the dead, that scroll was burned. The record of our wrong destroyed. And I want you to know tonight that what I'm saying, although it might sound to you like a bunch of like self-help and come on, be a better person. No, that's not what I'm saying. 
I'm saying we don't need advice from God how to be better people. We need a Savior to rescue us from our sin. And we need the Holy Spirit in our lives to empower us then to make wise choices. And so you don't just need advice from a person. You really need a relationship with God. And I'd love for you to put your trust in Jesus tonight if you've never done that before. And I'm going to give you a chance to do that. But I want you guys to respond tonight. Here's what I want you to do. Don't do it now because I want you to just really be able to hone in on this for a second. But when we stand up to sing, in just a minute, underneath your seat is one of these. And here's what I want you to do with that thing, okay? I want you to do one of two things. If you struggle to take God's word seriously, if you are finding yourself burning God's scrolls and ignoring his word, I want you to take this this week as a reminder to listen to him, to do what he's calling you to do. I want you to take it as a reminder to be in his word and you put it where you, you're going to see it. You know, some of you guys put it on the fridge, put it on your nightstand, put it on your car dash. Um, some of you guys, I, I will not be offended if you fold it up like this and put it in your pocket. And every time you reach for your phone or your keys, you feel it and it just reminds you, yes, listen to God, be in his word, do things his way. That's what some of you need to do. But you know what the rest of us maybe need to do? As you walk out of here tonight, this is going to be over by the right side of that door as you leave this room. And I would love for you to take your card if you need to burn your scrolls and sort of symbolically say, all right, I'm, I'm done with my way. I'm not going to keep that number on my phone anymore. I'm not going to just hope and wish and pray that I, I stop looking at things I shouldn't. I'm going to try and get some accountability or get, get a filter. Or, okay, I'm going to end that relationship. Okay, I'm going to do things God's way. And so I hope you'll respond in one of those two ways tonight. But God loves you guys. He has great things for you. Let's not settle. And so don't burn God's scrolls. But start burning yours. Let's pray. God, we just need you tonight. And we thank you, Lord, for your power. And we thank you for your goodness. And we thank you that, God, you are calling out to every single one of us in this place tonight that you have a better way. And that you want to do awesome things in our lives. And so we ask for your help, God. We ask, God, that you will... Enable us, empower us, and give us wisdom in this moment to make great choices with the different things going on in our lives. So if you're a follower of Jesus, I want to lead you in two different prayer paths right now. If you've been really kind of ignoring God's word, his message to you, then would you pray about that? Would you get very specific? God, I know that you want me to share my faith. I know you want me to end this relationship. God, I know you want me to change my major. I know you want me to move there or stay here. Or God... I know I, I haven't read your, your word in like a year, six months, a month. And God, tonight I want to respond and I want to change. And if you're not wrestling with that so much, but you're hanging on to some things God wants you to let go of, then, then let's get specific about that. God, you know I've been looking at stuff and I got no plan of stopping as of yet. So God, help me with that. God, you know that I still have that phone number in my pocket and man, everything in me is screaming to keep it right now. Give me the courage to delete that day. Pray through that stuff if that's you. If you are not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him tonight, I would encourage you to pray with me right now. I'd encourage you not to put this off, but look to him tonight. You can pray something like this. Jesus, thank you so much for loving me. Thank you so much for dying for me. Thank you for beating death and hell for me. Thank you for burning the scroll of the record of my wrong. Thank you for this gift of salvation. 
God, show me who you are. Help me to know what it is to follow you. Thank you for this gift of salvation. Before we open our eyes tonight, I really would love to be praying for you this week. And it's dark in here. No one can see you. I can hardly see you. But if you prayed that prayer for the first time tonight, would you just look up at me real quick? Anybody, very first time you ever prayed that prayer? I just want to make sure I'm praying for you. Awesome. Anybody else? God, thank you for those today that have put their trust in you. God, thank you. Help them. Draw them near you. Show them you are good. We love you, Jesus.